Love it. How are we doing? You feeling good? Are you ready for the Word of God? Hey, if you're ready, would you grab your Bible out while we just stay standing? I love to stand for the reading of God's Word. I like to honor God's Word. I love to study it. I love to read it. I believe it will bless your life if you allow it to and if you get it into your life. And uh, tonight is Sunday night. Am I right? Sunday night church means anything can happen. Well, at least it did when I was growing up. And so, and we don't do Sunday night church in, in, in our church. So this is kind of special. This is kind of like, like Holy Spirit night or something can, can just take place. If you're expectant, I'm ready. See, I'm just trying to get you ready. It's a little preacher trick, just trying to get some engagement in this church. Because I know the better you respond, the better I preach. And, and I feel like preaching tonight. I feel like having a little bit of revival in this place. So, so I need you to get ready. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 28. And, and I'm going to go ahead and, and preach from verse 18. All the Bible scholars already know what I'm preaching. It says, Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority. Everyone say all authority. In heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Today, I want to do something special. I want to give us some tools that will empower us to really live in the freedom that Christ has won for us, to walk in the authority that God has given us. And, and, and I want to do that through, through kind of like a Bible study tonight. Do you feel like studying the Bible? Do you feel like getting the Bible out and learning some Scripture and really unpacking some truths tonight? Well, I want to do that, and I want to unpack a, a subject that's simple enough in Revelation, but has, has proven to be difficult in application. And, and, and Pastor Hartley, you were on something tonight as you were praying. I don't know what was going on. You lost your voice, but I felt like handing you the mic and let you preach tonight. And he was praying about taking back what the devil takes from us, amen, knowing that the devil comes against us. So I want to preach a message tonight that I'm entitling, The Devil Don't Know. The devil don't know. The devil don't know what you think he knows about you. Amen. And when we think that somebody knows something about us, that's often when they have power over us. But I got to tell you tonight, the devil don't know. And I want to I just prepare your hearts for that. I believe God's going to speak to us. So can we pray? God, we ready our hearts right now. God, we lean in to you. We, we lean in with a posture ready to receive what it is that you have for us. So God, we say, go ahead and speak. Speak right into the areas of our life that we need it most. And we pray that our lives would glorify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, go ahead high five five people as you take your seat tonight. Amen. Thanks, worship team. Thank you. Amazing job. Incredible job. Very, very, very good. Amen. Hey, I don't want to really spend any time introducing myself. I did that this morning. Uh, but I do want to quickly brag on your pastors one more time. I love these guys, Pastors Hartley and Natalie Taylor. Did you know these guys are well-known around the world, specifically in the C3 movement? These guys are quite famous. And uh, just getting to know them more, I'm realizing that these guys have some pretty crazy spiritual tools up their sleeves. Like these guys are prophetic. They're prayer warriors. I feel like this couple is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. In fact, I think this whole church is dangerous, dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. Do you, do you believe it? 
Do you believe you're a dangerous church? I, I, I believe you give the devil nightmares. And, uh, and, and, and that, means that, that means God's anointing is on this church for change. Amen. In this incredible city of Sydney. In Sydney. Who, who loves their city? You got to love it. You got to love it. You got to get a heart for it. We, we've lived in uh, the United States of America now for just over five years. Oh, just under five years, sorry. Four and a half years. August will be five years. So it's a little bit more now. And, uh, and God's been blessing our church. But, but I got to tell you, American can be weird. Anybody know that? Firstly, do I have any Americans here? Cool, I'm safe. American can be weird. How many people have seen our president? No, I'm just joking. But I, I got to tell you, America can be weird. Being an Aussie, coming from Newcastle, there are so many things that kind of didn't prepare us for planting a church in America. But as weird as America can be, America can be fantastic as well. America has some amazing traditions that we were not ready for or did we expect. I mean, we, we have this one tradition in America. We kind of have it here, but not to the full degree. It's a, it's a tradition called Halloween. How many people know about Halloween? I don't know what, you, what your perspective is on Halloween. Don't get religious on me because in America, it's a night known for free candy night, okay? And, 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 the, and, the, and America is our promised land, okay? The man flowing with milk and, and free candy bars. So we were going to get what was ours, amen. It was our rightful promise from the Lord. And so we do it well too. We, we go to these places known as full candy bar neighborhoods, okay. That's kind of like, here it would probably be like Mossman or something like that. You know, where, where, where they don't just give you candy bars. You take your, your champagne glass around as well. And they kind of top that up as the kids scurry along. And it's fascinating, you know. One thing Americans love to do is they love to dress up. They, they, they love to do costumes, okay? They love the cost, even adults, I'm talking, not just kids, adults. It's crazy, man. They'll, they'll dress up. They love any excuse to do that. And what we love about Halloween is we, we love that in Halloween, they're, 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 they try and dress their house up. They try and make it as spooky and as scary as possible, but it's kind of over-exaggerated. You know, there's these giant spiders and, you know, Frankenstein's mistress at the front door. And, and it's amazing because you got kids like dressed in like princess dresses, whatever, and they're just skipping up to the door, completely like naive, it seems, to all these scary things that are on the house, just looking for free candy. They're doing everything that we tell them as parents not to do, like take candy from strangers. So they're doing it. Anyway, it's amazing as I was watching, as, as my daughters were just skipping up to the house taking free candy, and, and there was a group behind us who were kind of going to houses as we were going to houses, and, and there was this one older lady, like a grown lady, who, who seemed to be scared and startled by every single decoration, every single scary costume. She was like, oh, scared and, and laughing, and then, oh, scared and laughing, and, and, and at first I kind of just thought, okay, you're just, just starting out, but I mean, we're like 20 houses in, and she's still getting scared scared and startled by every little costume, decoration, or creature that was on display. And at first I didn't notice until my daughter, who's 10, walked down the path just looking at me with one of those looks. This lady gets scared by, I think, some, some fake cobwebs or whatever, and she just looks at me and just says, what's her problem? Now she's 10. And it kind of got me thinking, that's, that's crazy, but how often do we as Christians walk through life constantly startled, constantly surprised, constantly unaware by the attack of the enemy. 
I mean, the Bible makes it pretty clear that as you follow Jesus, expect some opposition, yet we're constantly surprised when opposition comes. We're constantly startled and surprised and, and somewhat the unexpected element of the enemy. Now tonight, despite my, my sermon title, my, my goal is not to kind of focus on the devil too much. I do want to make Jesus famous. That's my goal. But, but, but I also want to help you understand the power and the authority that you have as followers of Jesus. And, and what became, can become helpful to know is, is to know exactly that, that what the power is that we do have. It's, it's helpful to know that the devil is not an equal and opposite power to God. Did you know that? He is powerful and he does have some power, but, but his power is certainly limited. And you need to know that the enemy is not an equal and opposing power to God, meaning the enemy is not omniscient, meaning he does not know all. God alone is omnipotent or powerful. God alone is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. The devil is omni-nothing, okay? This is very powerful fundamental theology to understand. And in fact, what becomes powerful to understanding fully what the devil isn't begins with knowing exactly who Jesus is. So maybe I thought we could do a little bit of Bible study, a little bit of teaching tonight, if that's okay with you. You like teaching in this church? I did some preaching this morning, so I'm going to try and not get too fired up. But if you don't shout back, I will fire up. Don't you worry about that. And I want to do this by going to the Gospel of John. So if you've got a Bible, would you turn there real quick? Because John starts out his gospel by revealing exactly who he knows Jesus to be. He explains Jesus as grace and truth, as light and life. In fact, it's John who reveals that Jesus is the anointed one and the anointing. He is the one who saves. He is the one who sets free. He is the one through whom all life was created and through whom all life is redeemed. This is Jesus. And it says this in John 1, 1, uh, yeah, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5, check this out. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. That's a pretty interesting verse right there. The darkness has not understood it. You see, John is writing this kind of towards the end of his life like Grandpa John. This is like Grandpa John, he's looking back over the experiences he had with Jesus, his understanding that he has of Jesus, and he begins to write it down. And this is John, who in his own gospel refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, I mean, I mean you could give yourselves all kinds of nicknames. I don't know what you would call yourself if you were giving yourself a nickname. I'd probably like mighty and powerful. I don't know. But, but, but John just says he, he's the one who Jesus loved, meaning that that, that, that he had an understanding. John, John's purpose in his gospel was really to reveal both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. Because we know that God was both fully man and fully God. Jesus was both fully man and fully God. So John's purpose is to explore and unpack both of these things. In fact, he said the Word became flesh. The divine became human. These two elements in one Savior. And can I tell you that the masterful plan of God had the devil playing catch-up ever since its conception? This plan to, to, to bring the redemption plan to save humanity has had the devil and still has the devil playing catch-up with every single step. Now, if the devil 
doesn't know a lot, well, the devil doesn't know just as much as you think he knows. I got to tell you that there's a lot about you the devil doesn't know also. And I want to show you this by going to Luke's gospel now. Can we go to Luke chapter 3? I told you we're going to do a Bible study tonight. I'm, I'm a Bible guy, so we're going to read a lot of Bible. I don't want to just give you my understanding up here. I want to give you the Word of God. And, and so I want to go to Luke uh, chapter 3 and 4, where we actually see the activation of Jesus' ministry. Jesus at this point of time is 30 years of age. And at 30 years of age, this is the appointed time in which Jesus hit the ministry scene. Now, the timing is important. Because Jesus, we know, was not bound by time, but yet he worked within time, okay? He wasn't bound by it, but he worked within it. And, and there are several times throughout Scripture, in fact, that we see where Jesus acted even though it wasn't his time. Did you know that? Jesus even says, he's like, it's not my time, but, but, but okay, you know, he even says it to his mom, woman, it's not my time, but all right, go ahead and do the miracle. And that's because there is a compassionate nature to Jesus. Now, this is going to be helpful to somebody to know that, that Jesus works within a time. Sometimes that time is to build your faith, to build your trust, to know that God works at the opportune time, not our time. I'm thankful that God doesn't work at our time. I'm thankful that He has a divine time. But there are times that God will move out of His compassion that will move Him outside of time to move in your life. That's what God can do, amen? But yet He works not only in a specific time, He also works in a specific style, and Jesus began his ministry in humility. Check it out, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son. Maybe you are my son. Maybe I could do it like that. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jump down to chapter 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. How many people think that's the most understated scripture in the Bible? He was hungry after 40 days, amen. But what we have here in, 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 in scripture is essentially a, a starting gun for Jesus, an activation moment. From this moment, Everything's on, like, like ministry time is on, and, and it's recorded by an incredible status update by God, where God says, God the Father says over God the Son, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. God puts this heavenly like Facebook notification out there that not only is Jesus his Son, but he loves him and he's pleased with him. I love that. I like that position. This, the theological importance of this cannot be underestimated. That not only does Jesus, does God love Jesus, His Son, and well-pleased, but that's the same posture and position He takes towards you. That He loves you and He is pleased with you. Come on, that's got to help somebody say amen tonight. But this heavenly notification also served another purpose. It served the purpose of confirmation for Jesus. Confirmation around His revelation of who He was. Let me explain this, because, because so, so often we can actually misunderstand from our extensive knowledge of Scripture that, that, that Jesus was born into humanity and actually had to grow into the revelation of His divinity. 
It's not like Jesus, baby Jesus, just was walking on water, you know what I mean, in the bathtub. You know, it's not like, oh, he's got, no, 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 no. He was born into humanity, but he had to grow, like you and I grow into the revelation of God's calling for our life. Jesus also had to grow into the revelation of his divinity. This is going to help some people. Because all that Jesus had previous to this moment to, to really uh, understand his divinity was what his mother would have told him, Mary, about his divine conception. But he had to grow in revelation. We also have a record, I think it's, what is it, in Luke chapter 2, where Jesus, like a halfway point in his ministry life or in his growing in revelation point where he was 12 years old. So we've got, we've got when he was born, his mother would have told him about how the angel Lord came and it was an immaculate conception and all these kinds of things. This is how it came about. But then at 12 years old, we see this in Luke chapter 12, uh, 2 verse 41. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. How many parents, let's be honest, have lost your kids before? Be honest with me, any, any parents? You guys are good parents, okay? I've lost my kids so many times, it's crazy. I, lo I lost them at, at Disneyland. I lost them in the supermarket. I lost them one time. I was looking for sugar-free September stuff. I was doing sugar-free September, and, and I'm looking for, like, on the packets. I'm trying to study, like, American food. It says sugar-free, but I'm looking at the ingredients. It's all sugar. I'm like, how does that even work? Long story short, I look up, and I'm thinking, do I have my kids with me? No, I started looking again. And then I'm thinking, no, I I'm sure I had my kids and I was looking around, I didn't see him. I texted Kira, I said, hey honey, are the kids with you? Because sometimes guys, we don't forget, we forget. You know, we, we concentrate, our focus is intense though, don't worry. She texted me back saying, yes honey, they're with you. I, I wrote back, LOL, just joking, I, I, I got them. And then I'm over the PA, like, kids, where are you? But doesn't matter how much of a bad parent you are, you didn't lose Jesus, okay? Mary and Joseph, they've lost Jesus. And it goes on to say, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Here we've got this incredible conversation that Jesus is having with the rabbis who taught the Torah. They, they taught the, 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 the books of the law. They, they would unpack them. They were so well versed with the law. It's not funny, but, but yet here comes Jesus and he gets on the scene and not only starts to teach them on the Torah, he starts to teach them on the books that they wouldn't even touch. I'm talking about the prophets. Well, the prophets would prophesy the teachers of the Torah wouldn't go near them because they weren't complete yet. There was no conclusion to them yet because we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And here comes the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, teaching them on the Old Testament prophecies. So their minds are getting blown. They're getting like, what? Who is this kid? 12 years old. And it says that they were confounded by his understanding. It's crazy. But check this out. Verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? I mean, they're pretty frantic. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Mary saying, hey, Joseph and I, your father and I were looking for you. Jesus just looks back at them and says, I had to be in my father's house. This, this shows and reveals 
Jesus' further revelation of who his father was. 12 years old, 12 years old. But what was becoming clearer to Jesus was still unknown to everybody else. Can I tell you that? It goes on to say that when he went down to Nazareth with them, he was obedient to them. That's good, Jesus. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And verse 52 is an important verse. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Let me, let me go on to, to say this because this heavenly status update actually served another purpose. The purpose wasn't just to, as confirmation for Jesus, that he was God's son and that God was pleased with him before he performed even one miracle, before he did anything. It also notified the devil. It also notified the devil. Check out chapter 4, verse 3. It says, the devil said to him, this is while he's in the desert, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. I can give it anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him to an opportune time. Sometimes we can read this passage of Scripture with the presumption that the devil knew who Jesus was. Go with me. We read it because we know how the story goes. We read it with a context from the beginning of the Bible to the back of the Bible. We read it with a context knowing how this, how this whole story plays out. But I got to tell you, if you were reading it in chronological order, you would be finding out as the devil finds out also. You'd be coming in and so he says, if, if you are. Up until this point, he, he knew, man, who is this guy? He's got so much power walking around with wisdom. But, but, but who is this guy? Sometimes we read it with his presumption that, that, that the devil was coming simply to try and divert Jesus. Come on, tempt him. If you are, do this. But, 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 but you've got to know that the devil, remember, is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And, and, and I mean, he's well-versed in Scripture. We know that. The written Scripture. He, he knew the written Word of God. Yet no one expected the Savior to come in such a fashion. Did you know that? Not, not even the prophets expected Him to come in such a fashion. When, when the prophets of old would prophesy about a Savior who would die, they would strike their heads wondering, what am I saying? A Savior who will die? Everyone expected a king born in a palace. They didn't expect a baby born in a manger. Have you ever realized that if the devil fully comprehended the plan of God, they, that he would never have crucified Jesus? Oh, help me preach in the back. Come on, if the devil fully comprehended the whole plan, the redemptive plan of God, he wouldn't have nailed him to a cross because every nail was a nail in his own coffin. Help me preach, help me preach. He, he, he was finding out, he, he said, if you are the son of God, if you are, I want to give, give you real quickly three things to write down that, that the devil doesn't know about you because there's a lot the devil doesn't know about Jesus, but, but, but there's a lot the devil doesn't know about you. So get a notepad out or write this on your neighbor's forehead. I do not care. This is going to help you on your Monday. First thing you need to know is the devil doesn't know your authority. 
He doesn't know your authority. We see the devil questions and challenges Jesus' authority. In fact, to tempt Jesus, he, he offered him authority over the kingdoms of the world. But he didn't know that this was Jesus. He didn't know that he had given all authority. That's the scripture that we read at the beginning of the evening, that, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what this means is that, that the devil can, you can actually begin to inform the devil yourself that, that, that you also have all authority. Begin to tell the devil you've got the authority. Because Luke 10, 19 reminds us, look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got authority. You've got authority. The devil don't know your authority. It's the same authority Jesus had. Secondly, write this down, the devil don't know your anointing. Did you know you can be anonymous but still be anointed? Thanks, honey. I know you liked that, didn't you, honey? I threw that in just for you, Velvet Hammer. You can be anonymous and still be anointed. Sometimes you wonder if you're anointed because you're not doing something great for God. You, you wonder because I'm not on stage preaching, because I, I'm not leading people to Christ. But you can still be anointed and still be anonymous. Sometimes God's positioning you in the place for maximum impact. Oh, I could preach about that, but I won't. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet, this is what Jesus does. He, he walks on the scene with a whole new level of power. He comes out of the desert. He comes out of the water. He walks, first thing he does, out of the desert when he was hungry. He walks into the, into the, into the synagogue. And it says this in verse 17, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Check this out. I love this. I love how Jesus rolls. He says, then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I love that Jesus sat down. I love that the Bible tells us that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That means that Jesus is not pacing the hallways of heaven, worried about what you're going to do next, worried about how you're going to make your rent payment, worried about how you're going to work out this situation that you're in. Jesus is seated. Jesus is in control. It goes on to say this, that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the original mic drop, people. You see, Jesus went straight to the prophets. The, the pages of the scrolls that the, the teachers of the law wouldn't go to. They knew how to preach that. Hadn't been fulfilled yet. There were these elusive prophecies. People were wondering, like, I mean, what, what, what value do they add in our society? The law of Moses, we can preach that. Do not murder. I, I got that down. Don't, don't look at people the wrong I got that down. I know how to preach that. I know what I have to tell you to do. If you do wrong, I can preach the law. Jesus opens the scroll of Isaiah and shuts it down because he is the fulfillment. He says, this day I have fulfilled it. What even the teachers of the law struggle to comprehend, Jesus preaches and he declares that he is anointed to release captives, to open blind eyes, to set people free, to preach the good news and the favor of the Lord. Your anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage over people's life. Amen. Amen. The devil don't know your anointing. Do you know the devil don't know your anointing, but he's banking on the fact that you don't know either. That's what he's banking on. He, he's banking on the fact that you don't know and that you don't find out. 
just how anointed you are. Just how powerful you are. When you've got Christ on the inside of you, all authority has been given to you. He's hoping you don't find that clue out tonight. Amen. Amen. Thirdly, and this is the last one, the devil don't know your activity. Write that down. Get your neighbor's forearm, forehead, whatever it takes. Write down, the devil don't know your activity. And I want to illustrate this one. Can, can, I get, can I get my teaching aid out? I, I thought you might be a visual church. You might, be, might help you to kind of te- learn visually. And, and I want to bring out my teaching aid that my girls have named Hunter. They, they named this, this teaching aid Hunter for, for a very good reason. Uh, because, because Hunter is a turkey. And, and in America, we have... We have uh, another great tradition called Thanksgiving. How many people have heard of Thanksgiving? The greatest man-made holiday on planet Earth. I'm telling you, you just feast and you eat. But, but Hunter the turkey gets hunted at Thanksgiving time. And, and what I love about this, I, I, I have a, a guy in my church who just recently started turkey hunting. Now, I don't know if you're like California, but this, this kind of thing offends Californians generally, okay, because we hug whales and trees and all that kind of thing. And so, and, and yet, yet, yet there are some southerners in my church who like to hunt now and then. And, and he was telling me all about turkey hunting, and, and I got so interested in it. I, I like to YouTube these things, and I was learning all about turkey hunting. Now, this guy's called a decoy, a decoy. And what a good turkey hunter will do is he won't just go ahead and just wait for turkey season to start and start shooting crazy. No, no, good turkey hunters will go out ahead of season. Before the season even begins, before they're even allowed to take a shotgun out there, they'll go out in turkey season and they'll just watch. They'll just watch the turkey activity. They'll just watch where they graze. They'll, they'll watch where they go because turkeys are, uh, are given a name turkey. You know, someone says you're a turkey. It's for good reason because they're not bright animals. They're creatures of habit. They go along the same path all the time. They graze in the same place. So turkey hunters love to go out and just watch where the turkeys go and where they'll be. And they know this, that, that if they, when season starts, they come and they set up a decoy right in the place where turkeys go. You see, you can't, I can't just set this decoy up on Silverwater Road, and I'm going to be waiting a long time, but guarantee no turkeys are going to come. Do you agree with me? Because it's not just about the decoy, it's about the place where you place the decoy. Am I right in saying that? I know I'm not a turkey hunter, but I've learned a thing or two from YouTube, my education, that and Google. Amen. But but what they do is they would set up these turkeys. And what I like about this is is they would set them up, and I learned this. And these, these things are crazy, literally they get right up behind it, and the turkeys are so fixated on, on, on the actual turkey that they'll come right up, not even knowing there's a hunter behind it with a shotgun pointed right out at its face, but yet they'll just blow its head off. It's crazy. But, but, but what you'll find is fascinating about turkey hunting and is, is they can actually predict where to set the trap based off the pattern of the turkeys that they've watched. Go with me. See, the devil doesn't know your activity. And often we feel like the devil's got my number. We feel like the devil knows exactly how to get me. We, 
We know maybe it's a relationship thing that the devil keeps getting you with. Maybe it's a financial fear that he's got you captive with. Because when we're talking about freedom, we need to know who keeps us captive in this life. And, and we think like, man, how do I escape the devil? The devil's always on me thinking that he knows my next move. He knows what I've got coming. He knows what I'm going to do next. He knows the decisions I'm going to make. But i got to tell you, the devil doesn't know your activity. What the devil does know, however, is, is based off a pattern from your past behavior, he can predict where to put decoys in your life life to trap you in the future and to captive you in the future. The devil does not have prophetic ability. That comes from the Lord. That comes from God. Who knows all time? He's outside of time. But the devil's days are numbered. How many people know that? That the devil lives within time. He is restricted. So he doesn't know. He cannot forecast what you'll do in the future. But he does know the decisions you've made before. He does know those dumb decisions. He does know those patterns of the past. And so knowing the patterns of the past, he will put a decoy in the right place to trip you up at the opportune time. Because the enemy left Jesus for the opportune time, when the opportune time would come. Check out what it says here. It says this in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 28. I'm out of time. I'm closing. It says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this, when Jesus said this stuff. Jesus said, man, he pretty much just said, hey, I'm the fulfillment of everything that you've been reading. Sat down. Everyone got a little mad about that for some reason. It says they got up and they drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But it says, verse 30, he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, now the devil now knew who Jesus was. Not only did God the Father say, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased, Jesus of his own confession said, I am the fulfillment of these scriptures. Instantly, the devil, now aware to who Jesus is, causes a crowd to try and kill him, thinking, we got to get rid of this guy. Let, let's, just, let's just turn the hearts of the crowd, make them resistant to everything Jesus. They've got the Savior in their midst, who they've been hoping for, who they've been praying for, yet their hearts are turned against Jesus. They drive him to the edge of the cliff. And this is how enemy gets us too. He gets us to a point where we're like on a cliff edge, where we're right in the thick of things, where the chaos is all around us. God wants to confirm the calling that you have on your life, but the enemy he wants to bring confusion to it. He wants to bring opposition to it. He wants to take captive which that which Christ Jesus set free. And He wants to bring you out of freedom into captivity. But check out what Jesus did. It says, He walked right through the crowd and went on His way. The enemy caused the crowd to be offended. But I like what Jesus did. He simply says, He walked right through the crowd. Come on. You, he thought He had Jesus cornered. And maybe the devil has you cornered too. Maybe right now you're in a season of your life where you feel like your back's against the wall. Maybe you feel like the pressure's all around you. The temptation's too much to handle. That you, you know the decisions that you wanna make, but you can't make the right decisions. You feel like Paul the Apostle. I know what I wanna do, but I don't do it. What I don't wanna do, I do. I, woe is me. Who can bear with this? You feel like the, the pressure's all around you and you feel cornered maybe by depression, maybe by anxiety. But I want to tell you tonight that there's something the devil don't know. And just like Jesus walked right through the crowd, I got to tell you the devil doesn't know your next move either. 
The devil doesn't know your next move. The devil doesn't know your next move. Sure, he's put some decoys in the way to trap you because he knows how you've operated in the past. He knows the patterns that you've set. He knows your sin life. He knows your what you go to. He knows the way you think. He knows that if I set a decoy here on a lonely night, I'm going to trap them. That's how the enemy gets you. But but I got to tell you, he's had you cornered thinking that he that, that he knows you so well. But the devil doesn't know your next move. The devil doesn't know what you're going to do next. You can shift and you can pivot and you can walk right through the enemy's cornering knowing that I have anointing, I have authority and I have an activity that is held in Christ that the devil don't know. He doesn't know everything about you. And because he doesn't know everything about me, I can have confidence in this life. Amen. I'm not defeated. I'm free. Sometimes we hear people talk about freedom and preach about freedom, but we feel so bound up. We're bound up to our thought life. We're bound up to the past. We're bound up to those same patterns that we feel like we've been under for so long. But I got to tell you, you are free today. You are free to move in a new direction to get out of that old pattern, to get out of that old thinking. The devil doesn't have it over you anymore. You are free to move in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand to your feet right across this place? Come on, I feel the power of God here. I feel, I feel faith in the atmosphere. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the presence of God. I don't know what you're expecting to feel when I talk about the presence of God is in this place, but I feel faith. I feel faith to shift some things. I feel faith to move some things in my life. I feel faith to activate some things. I feel like the Spirit of God is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the Word of God and to set people free, to, co- to, to cast people out of restraint and to set them on a new path tonight. So why don't you go ahead and lift your hands to heaven? Come on, we're going to get free from some things. We're going to get free from the past. I love it when we lift our hands to heaven. That's a great indication because sometimes the, the heaviness of life feel like a burden. They feel like a weight on our life. In fact, the Bible describes that it's like a weight on our life. But it's amazing what happens if you've got a weight on your shoulders and by simply stretching out your hands, how your posture begins to raise and those things that were holding you down begin to fall off in the very presence of God. And I feel like chains are going to break off some people. Some of you have had some addictions that have been unhealthy in your life. I'm believing by the power of God, freedom is going to come tonight. That you're going to get set free from addiction. You're going to get set free from the past. There has been a mentality over your life that has been spoken over you from your family. It's been like a family heritage. It's been like a family curse. They said it's going to be like this for your dad. It's been like this for your granddad and it's going to be like this for you. I believe in the power of Jesus' name that those things are broken tonight. I believe those curses are broken. I believe that freedom is going to come. It all starts with you and the devil doesn't know your next move. Amen. The devil doesn't know. So God, right now in your presence, we surrender. We surrender our plans. We surrender our purposes. God, we surrender our whole lives to you. And God, we pray right now, Lord, upon each person here that has felt like the enemies had their number, like the devil's known their next moves, like the devil's known everything about them and what they're going to do next. By the spirit of revelation, Lord, they would understand tonight that they are free. And whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. True freedom, free to live a new life, free to walk a different way. 
not bound to the past, not stuck in a habit, not stuck in a rut, but, but free to move under the power of the Holy Spirit, not under the power of condemnation, not stuck in shame any longer, not stuck in guilt, not stuck in regret, but under the free power of Jesus Christ and the unction of grace and the power of God moving through their lives, moving through their families. I'm speaking to someone that's had a health report right now and the enemy has used that health diagnosis to stick fear into your life. But come on, God doesn't know, the devil doesn't know your next move and God has a different report. His report that God heals, that He sets free, that He redeems, that He restores and that He sets on a brand new path in the mighty name of Jesus. So God, we glorify You tonight and we make resolve right now to walk a new path to put some new moves in play that the devil doesn't expect. So empower us, Jesus, we pray in your mighty name. Amen.